Welcome to the People's Voices, No Holds Barred, a place where discussions are not limited. Welcome back to the People's Voices. Today we have myself, Brother Love, and Mr. Michael Thomas, and today's topic is the music industry. There's a lot that can be said about that, but Michael, let me throw to you first. Being someone who is part of this industry, you know, take us on a bit of a journey of how you saw things, I guess, from when you began to what it's like now, and being in the western part of the world. Of the world. Take it away. The music industry. What an industry. Well, they have an old saying that um, there ain't no business like show business. And that's kind of true and kind of false. Um, I started my introduction and my journey in the music industry in around 1984. So... I mean, picture that, 94, 2004, 2014, and 5, 2019, 2021. So you're looking at 37 years ago. It's what it was, it was about music and it was about having a bit of talent and really working hard. It's like a painter painting houses and you know, he works with a reputation so he gets one house to paint and it looks so nice that the lady up the road wanted to know who painted her neighbor's house and she would say, Terrence, and he said, all right, I got to get a hold of this guy. And before you know it, you know, with the help of God, you'd be painting house all over the island. Houses, rather. So you'd be singing songs here and there and people get to know you. Somebody will even give you a name and you would change the one you had if it sounds better. <laughs> and things like that. But there weren't... It, it wasn't a money-driven kind of thing for me because there was no money in it for me. It was just about getting heard, getting people to know you and getting your message across. And um, one of the things that we took pride in as musicians or singers, whatever you want to call us, was speaking of message, you had to have a message. And above all things, you were cautioned about not having derogatory messages because People back then had ethics. The radio station wasn't beeping out any four-letter words. That wasn't happening. That was grounds for firing for whoever in that radio station. So you knew that that was a no-no to bring a tape like that in there. So basically, nobody did that. Yeah, You know, everybody had that kind of sense to know, well, that was for when the mic was turned off 
or whatever, and you were drinking with your friends. And so that being said, for me, like I said, even though there wasn't money in it, I could hardly think of a time when I had that amount of fun, like back home, starting off in the music. It was really, really nice. You know, you got to meet new people. Everybody had an idea. Everybody had a song they wanted you to sing, you know, and you, you, you grew without even recognizing that you were growing. It's people around you five years after that would say, wow, you sung a lot different, man. You remember when you did that song? I didn't like that. <laughs> and things like that. And after, from 1984, so five years after that journey in the Caribbean, I entered North America, Canada to be precise. And as the story say, that's when all hell break loose. <laughs> Because you asked me to take it to North America too. And um, it, it's the music scene here, if you ask me, that's when I learned that there are a lot of fake people in music. You know, people who are pretending to be singers who are being propped up by five and six persons. And if you take, if you take the support from all of them, they, they can't even recite a line or a poem. They, they have to be spoon-fed the song almost until the minute they go on stage else they forget their lines and all kinds of things like that. And it, it it's a different vibration because when you, when you live and breathe music, your song is like your child. And as opposed to these fake entertainers, I like to call them fake, all they're concerned about is two things, popularity and money. And I, I do believe that those two factors is what has destroyed a lot of good people in the music industry. People, I should say, people who had potential to be good people. Because they started towing the line, the popularity line. And, they, you know, before they even get a chance to grow musically, they wanted to get paid. And, and like I said, I will go back to the beginning of this conversation. If you're an apprentice painter, I don't think you're going to get much money. Because your work is going to show in the houses you paint. <laughs> so... When you, when you weigh that time, when I started in the music industry, what I have learned in the industry and what is happening now, I think that time was a better time, a really better time for the music and for the, the aspiring entertainers. Now you, you can see for yourself and the public listening to this podcast when it's been put out can be the judge. A so-called song, especially in the genre of rap, would start. And before the DJ could drop the needle, it would be like, yo, mother effer. And it's like, whoa, what are you? A gangster? You want to kill somebody here? <laughs> Is that a song? Terrence, I'd pass it back to you to hear what you have to say. 
Uh, first, I'm going to add on to a bit of <clears throat> what you just said. I think even before you arrived on the scene in North America, I think it's already been like that for many long years. You know, the push of popularity and money. Now, you and I weren't here to see it, and I wasn't here, you know, sometime after, but <laughs> I'm watching that after. <laughs> Listen here, man, you came in 89, 95, what is that, six, seven years difference? <laughs> Roughly. Anyway, as Mike says, though, the scene, I think, has been like that for the longest while, even before him and I came on the scene here in North America. Who knows, back to the 50s, maybe even younger. And that is true, music has taken a big step but in a bad direction. Now, I'm going to pause on that thought a bit, because here's the truth, though. Even though there's plenty of F-bomb songs and stuff like that going around, there are still music and artists who are worth listening to these days. But because they're not on a big scale, or some people might say so, they don't get the recognition that, that they probably deserve. Now, I mean not musically. As for the personal life, you know, that's not where I'm going to. I have no idea what to do or don't do. That's on them if, <laughs> if they decide to do something crazy. But musically, I'm speaking... They got talent, and they got songs that I think anybody could listen to, give or take. And they're not being recognized as, you know, the pushers who are pushing rap and hip-hop. But it's not that those music are bad. It's just what they're doing to the music that is what makes it bad. For example, there are artists who I think have talent, have potential, and their songs, again, anyone can listen to. There's an artist like Alicia Cara, roughly the same age, I believe, maybe one or two years younger, who has been... Who speaks or rather sings songs about, you know, sort of being bullied, teased, or what it's like to grow up in this culture, whether it's hustling you or not. Or even a singer like Adele, who I think has made it without putting any, any that sort of nonsense into her music. Or even succumb to it, rather. Now, I can't speak for the... Yes. <laughs> now, I can't speak for the future of these people. I just hope they still remain. I don't know. How do I say it? In the good zone, then. But yes, going back to Adele, there's Alicia Keys, there's John Legend, Sam Smith, um, more and more on the list, of course, but what these group of singers are talking about, you know, take a listen to the song, one of Adele's songs as Hello. As sad as the song is, it's a song that speaks truth, though. It's very poetic in what it is. Hey, heartbreaks. At some point, you get old, you experience it, especially in the younger times when people want to be dating in their teen years and 20s, and you know, it does happen. People get heartbreaks, but it's something that's relatable to Take a song, sing, sing my Eminem though. As soon as he starts, he drops, as Michael says, the, the F-bomb, the S-bomb, N-bomb, whatever other bombs are out there too. It's like, hey, where are you going? You call this a song? Plus, now nah, he seems like he's just a wannabe, <laughs> to be honest, but <laughs> that's a different topic now. <laughs> but if you compare guys like, or even singers like, you know, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Eminem, who I just mentioned, uh, what's her name, Nicki Minaj, these aren't singers. There's just someone who's been paid, how do I say, to put on a musical gimmick, with F-bombs included. And that's what you call music? Hey, there's better ways to talk, there's better ways to formulate your speech. I remember, and they don't care about this, but there are kids listening to that. They're like, oh, I want to be so-and-so, I want to get the money, I want to get the girls. Or if you're the girl looking up to a girl like Nicki Minaj, she was, oh, I want to be like her. But really, what she's just seducing guys. Have you seen the way she looks on stage at these? You know, that, that... <laughs> that's not a good thing. I know guys would think, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. But guys, wake up and realize, women can seduce you with their looks. And they'll be happy to do with some of them. Now, I can't speak for her personal life, but that's just the image I'm getting when I see her on stage and stuff like that. Now, nowadays, you know, I don't play with that. Her music is not in my ears. You know, <laughs> that's me in a different sort of lane, to put it 
No, I came from Orlando, where I listened to music like that. Now, I wanted to blasting it out, of course, because I knew there was F-bombs, derogatory messages, and stuff like that. So, for the most part, mostly, not always, I was just, you know, listening to it through my headphone. Here and there, I threw it on the speaker, but early, I realized that, you know, when I was 13, 14, oh, you know, I can't just throw it on the speaker, especially when I don't know what the song is about, and they randomly throw out the F-bombs. <laughs> that happened to me one time. And someone told me the song is cool. Okay, let me go rock out to it. It had a catchy beat when I started playing it. Only the lyrics ruined the whole thing. Like, uh oh, I really should listen to this on myself first. <laughs> then, of course, other time when I heard it, of course, they weren't appreciating it, but they started laugh and make it fun. It's like, what sort of foolishness is that? It's like, I couldn't disagree, but I just didn't answer. <laughs> now, the conversation has gotten this, yes. Music, a lot of it is bad. It is derogatory. The message is very sexual. Actually, explicit is the word I would say. Because when I think back to the music in the days, there were songs that were sexual in nature, but weren't so explicit. I mean, even Mike could probably agree to that. It was there. Maybe the kid here may not have noticed. But it wasn't very suggestive. There you go. For example, now I'm going to bring up the R. Kelly lane. Uh, I don't know what's going on with his case, but that's how I brought him up. He's got a song with Lady Gaga that was called Do What You Want To Me or Do What You Want To My Body or something like that. Came out in 2014 or 13. Hey, the song was always inappropriate. But Lady Gaga being hypocrites. Oh my god. R. Kelly, you got a court case, rape case thing happening now. Pull the music from the streaming service. Like, hey, the song was inappropriate for the last five or six years. Before you said that, why didn't you say it then? You're a hypocrite too. Just because he's got accused of rape, and the song is about rape, apparently. Allegedly, I would say. Because it could be interpreted, but that's the way you see it. Then you decided to pull it. Hey, before that came around, you and him should know it's inappropriate. Y'all just want your money and popularity, and that's what the song gave you. Now, he was probably knowing that point in time, but she was kind of building herself up, so to say. Which, anyway, makes the song inappropriate. Sorry, we cannot be hypocrites, but let's be real here. The songs are very suggestive, inappropriate, and yes, you got millions of kids listening to it. Millions. Not just, you know, actually billions even, to put it that way. Not just, okay, 1,000 people in South America. No, you got billions worldwide. If they can afford to listen to music, that is. But that's my take on it. But before I throw it back to Mike, though, one of the most inappropriate things was done, I don't know, eight, nine months ago. When I, and I told Mike about this one, the singer name. Um, Lil Nas X comes up with a video of released on YouTube and he's lap dancing with the devil. Actually, for correction, he's lap dancing on the devil. Could you believe the stupidity in that? Or rather, could you believe that he sold his soul? Yes, I can believe that. Why? Because millions of artists done it. But what made him different is he came and said, Yep, this is who I am. No artist, as far as I know, did that. But they've been playing with the devil then. Jay Z, Beyonce, Kanye West, people like those. They've been playing with the devil. But what makes us hypocritical as people in society say, you already been supporting Satan, Satanic music rather. So why are you getting mad at him for doing that? He just revealed that he's part of Satan's crew. Well, maybe your boy Jay-Z didn't. But guess what? He's part of the crew as well. And they're all just, how do I say it? They're basically messing up the next generation. Now, I'll also put this out. Yes, that is true, but as the next generation, we have a responsibility to play. Do we allow ourselves to be messed up by him and his contents? And others who are like him. Or do we finally turn the blind eye? Or rather turn the eye and get rid of the blind eye? Mike, throw it back to you. Well, like you said, there are there are a lot of 
and I would use the word us. I wouldn't exclude myself, even though I'm not directly involved in, you know, whatever these, I I like to call them so-called music people because I happen to know real music people um, get involved in. Because one of the things that a musician or anybody who comes into any entertainment field has to have in mind is to be focused. You have to know why you embarked on that journey. So these days, it's coming to my attention that there are a lot of music people or people who call themselves music people who are involved in a lot of different things besides music. And I would say to those people, if they were inclined to listen to me and if I had a chance to speak to them, that you cannot serve two masters at one time. You, you either have loyalty to your music or loyalty to whatever it is you're going along with. Again, it has come to my attention that there are some of them who have sold their soul. And again, that ties in with the first part of what I spoke about, the popularity and the money. Because, and I'm, I'm going to say probably because I wasn't there when they did it. <laughs> some of them could have been struggling artists, just like I am. And they were made a proposal that if they did this or if they, you know, if they got involved with this person and one thing led to another from here to the follow all these steps. In turn, they could be, the, the, you know, the superstar of the century. Yes, but at what price? At what price? You have to ask yourself. And I, I kind of grew up in a God-fearing family, you know, with the church and everything being surrounded by me and me being surrounded by the church, be it voluntarily or forcefully. <laughs> and I couldn't get involved in something like that because my... My brain cell, like David Icke would said, would have clicked and tell me, no, this is, this is devil business right here. This has nothing to do with music. So I wouldn't want to be selling 60 million records and have no peace. You know, can't look myself in the mirror because I know I'm doing things that's not in sync with a decent human being. I couldn't be doing that. So to these people, they say where there is life, there is hope. I guess if you cry out to God, you can still get out of that situation. If you repent and you, you know, in all honesty, decide you want no part of that, God is able to deliver you. He's able to deliver you from anything. But that is definitely not the way to go. That's definitely not, not the way to go. And uh, again, whatever music you're involved in, whatever genre, be it, you know, soul, R&B, hip-hop, whatever genre. One thing I keep in mind as a barometer, as a measurement with my music, especially as I grow older, I think a hit song is a song where you can fill a family room here with the toddler who is learning to hold on to the table and your grandmother 
and you can play that song. And nobody has to leave the room. You got a hit song right there. From the time you got to put the kid out the room or your grandmother is like barring her eyes, that's a problem. And again, when I came here and I went to HMV and these places, I started realizing certain CDs had explicit lyrics marked on it. So, you know, you knew that you couldn't take that song in all good faith and, and play it in front of your grandmother. She would be, especially a grandmother from the Caribbean, she would, she would, you know, she would have a pot or a frying pan going across the house at you and ask you what time it is. So I don't know. And, and the responsibility for this lies squarely upon the shoulders of everybody in the music industry who allowed that to happen. I'm talking about the DJs, the radio announcers, the producers, and the singers, the rappers, because I remember Buju Banton spoke recently in an interview and they was asking him who he took his inspiration from. And he quoted Paris Hammond. That's another famous Jamaican ballader. He's famous for love ballads. And again, when Barris sings, you can have your two-year-old in the room as well as your grandmother. It's all about love. And Buju Banton says he would, he would write his rap because he's a dancehall DJ. He would write his, his rap on a paper. And he said, out of respect, before he presented to the studio, he would go by Barris and he would put the paper down. And he said, Barris would look at him and say, what's wrong with you, boy? Take out that word. Move down the door and take out that. You can't say that, man. You mad? <laughs> no, he said, that's how he'll get it. He'll get it. He said, when Barris was finished with him, he knew he had a hit. He knew that was the standard. And this is the problem. The problem now is the youths and whoever is behind them or on the side of them or whatever. The industry that they are, for lack of a better word, that they succumb to never teaches them ethics. It's all about, okay, let's say 50 cents use like 25 profanities in, in the club. If you use 26, you might sell more records. And I and and then from there, some of them before the re while the record is playing, even though it's successful with the youths or what, they're in the slammer already for something, because it tells you the road you are walking down. So, what I have to say to these musicians, and to, like I say, the DJs, all of them. If you're a DJ, you're a radio personality, you're just as guilty and you're just a role model as the guy who sing that song. Because remember, you have a Saturday night show from 9 to 10. You're inside of there doing your thing. You know how many youths are dancing in their basements while you're doing your thing? That's your audience. And you owe it to them to teach them what's right with your music. Because that's your platform. From 9 to 10, let's say your name was DJ Black Hat. That's your our Black Hat. Make it count. So next Saturday, 
Granny can dance a song from Black Hat too. And I, I think a lot of them lose sight of what it is. It's like they have a platform, but they doesn't recognize the power of the platform. So that's what I think. I could be wrong. So they use the platform aimlessly. It's like a preacher who has from 10 o'clock until lunchtime to deliver a sermon, and he isn't prepared. He's fumbling with scriptures up there, and he's just babbling. Take your time, and when you get into that radio circuit from 10 to 11, that's your DJ Black Hat, let people say at the end of the day, 20 years, 25 years after God, back in the day, man, when Black Hat came on, my world started, you know, it was nice. These, these days, you don't have that. Record producers, studio producers, how do you let these things pass through your studios just because you're getting paid? You're the guy that put out 25 four-letter words in a three-and-a-half-minute song? Three-and-a-half minutes and 25 F-bombs. What's the name of that track? F-bomb? So I, I think if you ask me, nobody thinks anymore. Nobody thinks anymore because, again, back in the day, <laughs> that was a no-no. I don't know anybody's studio, even in the Caribbean, that you were allowed in with that. They'd cut the mic off. Let's just say, you know, they didn't know all your lyrics and you started with that, the studio would go black. The power would come off on you. The, you know, you'd have some answering to do. So it tells you that we are in a different time and the things that are acceptable was not acceptable before. And we have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Terrence? I'll answer your question. Satan brought us here. And we took, how do we say it? I guess whatever he was offering us, which is like the hush cash. Actually, I won't even say hush cash, but tons of money just for selling your soul. <clears throat> and as you know, what the, how does it go again? What is the profit of man? To gain the whole world and lose his soul. But hey, this is exactly what we're looking at. And now, and the thing is, you know, I didn't exactly grow up in a God-fearing family. Maybe my grandparents' generation, there were a couple of them, but it wasn't enough, you know, for them to say, hey, young kid, stop listening to that, or, you know, I'm gonna scrub your tongue or something like that. No, and that never happened. In fact, it was more like if they knew, they just didn't say a word. Cause I guess, cause of my, how do I say it? The generation before me, they didn't really say anything either. They might have guessed, well, you know, here and there, it's inappropriate, or they really, I don't think I really had a clue well, how, what these songs really meant, because why? These are not the type of songs they witnessed growing up as, as kids, as teenagers, as maybe 20-something-year-olds even. There was music they knew about slowly when they came here. So in the sense that I was learning about it at a much younger age, so was the generation before me, at least in my family. So they couldn't really know for certain, okay, what so-and-so meant, but hey, it burn off to, okay, there is an F-bomb. Shouldn't be playing that or something like that. But even then, they didn't necessarily say anything, because, again, I think most kids who grew up in this generation, especially with the tech, well, we're, how do I say it? We're sneaky bastards. We know how to get away with stuff. <laughs> so I was catching on to the music. I was catching on to the beats. I was catching on to the artists that were considered, I guess, popular, that people are going for. Not so much when I was in second grade. Third grade, maybe. But the most I started when I was nine. Fourth grade. Because I guess, 
I was naturally, you know, asked friend, hey, what's up? You know, what were you listening to? And they might, and they might tell me without even, even a break in a sweat, because that's what they were going up with too. It's like, hey, how was so and so? How was the music? How was that track uh, by, uh, what was it called back then? Um, by 50 Cent Candy Shop or something like that it was called. You know, as much as they rocked my head to that at 10, by the say, I didn't know how inappropriate listen it was, or what it even was about. I looked at the word, oh, candy shop. I knew what a candy was. <laughs> and it was very sugary in my taste. <laughs> That's what I did know. I'll be honest though, I wasn't the smartest kid, even though I was listening to this kind of music, because I didn't know exactly what it meant. For example, Lil Wing has a song called Lollipop. Here I thought I was about the candy again. It's like, oh, want a different one? I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I did stop listening to it quickly because I realized what it was. But then it's like, you know, I'm not as smart as you can pick up on these things. Yet my friends, some of them, if not all, at that point in time, who were probably smart enough to know what he was really singing about, you know, they were still rocking their heads to it. I mean, I don't know, call me, tell me if I'm a hypocrite for saying they're a hypocrite for doing that, when you, when you obviously know better than I did. But still, you influence people in a different way. And, you know, as I became a teenager, the music was still there. I think I just became more on my iPod and headphones because those are the devices I had. Um, at that point in time, headphones are pretty darn cheap to buy, even at a dollar store, so it wasn't that hard to find a pair. And, you know, <laughs> my friend here knows all about that, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, headphones weren't that all hard to get, even if you were the person who bought an expensive one, either you can afford it or not. But back to the point, though. What I'm saying, though, I didn't, so these are the kind of music I was listening to. Now, did I eventually learn and know what was kind of going on? Yeah, I did. It was evidence that you really sat down to the lyric. What the meaning was, even if it was no curse word in the music, or any curse word that was there, profanity and so forth, you have an idea still. Or the, the uh, what is it, the suggested material, as Mike says, that are heavily in music. Especially that when it comes to a woman. The guy is saying, oh, a woman of this, a woman of that, you gotta treat them like this, you gotta do this and that. So, I mean, I'm not saying it fell for all that, but when you think about it though, it's pretty darn derogatory and offensive. Yet, here's the thing, you have some girls who listen to some of those guys throwing out the same thing. And they believe that's how they had to be. Oh, I gotta look good for this guy, I gotta put myself there, puff out my chest and all that kind of nonsense. When the reality is, none of that is true. You're just showing me fakeness. Now, we weren't smart enough to know that, obviously, neither was I. But I knew, okay, that was just fakeness. What's up with that? <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was me for the most, how do I say, growing up. Up until maybe college point, I was still kind of mixing and matching with that kind of music. But little did I know how to say I would transition into into different genres I never listened to before. Into kind of music that are more, how do I say, I guess more better to listen to, like as Mike says, the toddler and the grandma can listen to it kind of thing. And, you know, that did I give my left to, to uh, Elohim at that point in time. Which actually helped, though, when you think about it. But I was becoming a new person. And I was like, all of a sudden, okay, maybe not all of a sudden, but... Bit by bit, I was like, you know what? I can't listen to this rap nonsense anymore. This hip hop nonsense. These extremely derogatory references in the music, because it was even more worse by the time I went to college. I didn't know what it was, but something just clicked in me. I think because I gave my life again to Elohim, that's when the sun and a good realization hit me. You know what? Enough with this. Find my own thing that's, I guess, me. Music I can listen to. Music that's probably relatable or things that have a real message to it. See, I found myself, you know, how do I say it? Experimenting, I guess, with country music, uh, lovers rock music, but that I was already kind of listened to. Um, lovers rock, jazz music, eventually. There was one more genre, or soul music, and a lot of old school music as well. 
But even as I continue to sort of figure myself out, I realize, okay, there's some reason that just too, how do I say it, big on the attitude, like Satan's attitude, rather. It's like, you know, I gotta cut that kind of stuff off, too. Now, that was stuff I had to eventually learn, because I didn't really realize certain kinds of music. How do I say it? We're paying tribute to the devil, so to speak. It. Now, some music is more obvious than the other music. Now, I'm not saying the genres I picked are sacred, no. They, too, can have their profanity and inappropriateness. You just gotta really listen to who the artist is, what are they saying. Strip away the music if you need to. Go read up the lyrics then, to be sure. And understand, you know, what genre it is. So the truth is, you know, if you want to hear proper music, you gotta go find it. And one thing I actually did miss, now that I remember, as I started listening to what I, have, what I call underground artists. So artists who have a real talent, who are putting out beats and music like that, kind of like my friend here, Mike. He might not be paid the big, the big dollars, but they got real raw talent. And a lot of them post their stuff on YouTube. I already have like small studios, I guess, from whatever they might have made from a gig and stuff like that. And, you know, those are the guys that think that I don't really need to be listened to and have a spotlight. But they have things, you know, anyone really, your grandmother, your great-grand, or even your youngest cousin you may have, can listen to, can dance to, can even recite the lyrics if they chose to. You know, some of them even do cover music. But what I realized with them is they take a song like, for example, Rihanna had a song called, um, only, only girl or something like that. Very inappropriate with his lyrics. But one of these guys, I think, um, he's in a band called Boys Avenue. But what he did with the song, though, was take it and sort of revamp the lyrics. The music was kind of similar. But when he sat there and, and I listened to it, he's like, whoa, are you sure this is the same song you took? Because you have really not only cleaned the song up, but it's like, it's a, it's kind of a romantic song now. That where Rihanna talks about shaking it down. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a whole lot of difference in that. A singer sings a song about shaking it down, and this guy turns into a romantic song. Like, well, I would never guess that, but it goes to show the power of what you can do to music to make it better. Yeah, and it is talent. <laughs> so the song is still called Only Girl, as he puts it, but he tries to put it in the sense that, okay, I'm a man confessing my feelings to a woman. How, how do I do that? And, you know, eventually he wrote the lyrics. Um, well, how do I say, rework the lyrics, rather, into a song that, hey, you know what? I won't even say it's copyright. It's your own original piece, even though it's similar to the next song. But what's not the same is the content of the song. And you know, she's an other artist who sold her soul to the devil as well, to be honest. But I'm saying, you know, this is kind of back where I came from. Those were the artists I was jamming to. You got your Daisy, you got your Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Drake, who was kind of new at that point in time. Um, Bruno Mars, he was okay when he started, but I don't like the tone he took after a second album released. It just, for me, he went downhill. He started talking the same game. Uh, money, drugs, woman, and making out and stuff like that, but in a very suggestive, explicit way. Now, I don't remember him using too much curse words, but he probably eventually became that way anyway. So I'm like, okay, I'm cutting him off. Or eventually, rather, I did. So uh, if I did listen to him, it was only from his first album, where I thought he was more fresh, he was more original, and there's a stuff I could relate to. But quickly, just like Lil Nas X, they sold out the souls. Which reminds me, I think Kanye West said. He said he sold his soul to the devil, and he knew it was a crappy deal. But he said these came with a few tours like a happy meal. Now here's a salad trying to tell you you should sell out too. How ironic is that? And what is this? Talk about McDonald's now. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he was trying to be funny, but what I was trying to get at though, he said something like that on stage. And the whole audience is cheering for him. Well, what do you want to be salad like him too? I guess so. Now Mike, throw it back to you with, on some of what I just said about my background and some of what I just said about 
How do I say it? The inappropriate music, then. Any thoughts to add to that? Yes, definitely. Well, you from an era that's a lot of decades um, behind where I came from. So, and and yeah, I could I could identify with 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 what you say there because I have a daughter that's a couple of years older than you. Yeah, Whitney's twenty nine, and um, the the music that interests those kids now, and this is where again I still have to go back to the lack of responsibility on behalf of the musicians, the producers, the DJs, the radio people, is you know. They are young. I used to be those age two and, you know, you're towing the line. You rock into what your friends rock into. And and again, we got away lightly towing the line. What they had back then to what they have now. They have a lot of destructive music out there now that when these children listen to it, you know, it's like you, you, you wonder, it's like, you know, and it's no wonder why I could see why these $300 headphone sells all these noise canceling headphones because whatever it is that they're listening to, they, they really don't want you, the adult, to hear it. Come on, my cops are faith in me now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is my time here. Yeah, they really don't want you to hear it. So it's got to be, you know, they have on the exclusive headphones. Not the dollar store one like me. They have on the headphones that the top DJs would wear. So you ain't hearing nothing. You ain't hearing jack from them. They want to rocking. And you wanted to know why are they rocking. So. Yeah, actually, Mike, what it is, it cancels out the background noise. If it's really yeah. loud, you might still be able to hear. Yeah, the, the noise canceling headphone. But uh, again, it's sad. It's sad because what's sad is some of them... They say art imitate life and life imitate art. Some of them try to live those songs out. Some of them walk around these poor little guys from school and they start trying to believe that they're Tupac or Jay-Z or whoever. And it's like nothing could be further from the truth than you trying to think that you're somebody who you don't know. And a lot of these guys, again, were never gangsters to begin with because when they did the biography of um, Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious Big, um, or Biggie Smalls, or whatever they call him in Brooklyn. He portrayed a lot of gangsterism in his song. The people who knew Biggie, Biggie's mother was a high school teacher, or a primary school teacher. She was from Jamaica. She came to Brooklyn, and she raised Biggie. Biggie was raised pretty decent. He wasn't no gangster. But when you, he, yeah, and, and he sold the gangsterism to a lot of those poor kids in Brooklyn. And, and lo and behold, look where the chickens came home to roost. Mm, for him. Yeah, look where the chickens came home to roost for him. He was talented. You got to give him that because if you're going to spit those rhymes at a hundred miles an hour, with music in between, you got to know what you're doing. You know, he called himself Big Papa. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and again, speaking of the, the generation 
Tupac Shakur, even though he was a little, I would think a little before your time, Terrence. You would think so. Yeah, I would think. He he no. again, he again tried to sell. He, he, if you ask me, he was more of a gangster than Biggie in reality, because he had a rougher life. I think his mother was um a part of the Black Panther and whatever. And I think, yeah, in part of his biography, again, a brilliant young man. He told somebody that he, his mother used to give him a punishment. He had to read either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal back to back. That was his punishment for the month or whatever. So you would picture this is a guy that was watching society with a critical eye. And again, a very brilliant performer, very charismatic, but he chose to use... It's like a mason who could have built a beautiful church and instead he, he built a casino. You know, is 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 what 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 he took his talent to do. And and you know, it's it, it's amazing. And again, the youths try to follow in their footsteps, not even being mindful. Some of the youths who try to emulate them, I don't think they even knew why they got killed. Some of them don't took don't take the time to go into the biography and into the life of the person that they're trying to emulate. Like I said, I will give him his credit in the field of brilliance, in the field of being a lyricist, yes. In reality, I don't think Tupac Shakur was a smart person. That's my opinion. I just don't think so. Some of the things I saw Tupac Shakur going through the streets of, I don't know if it was Los Angeles or New York, in a car, half his body outside with, I don't know if it was $100 bills in the air and, and with Rolexes on his hand. And what is that about? You work for your money. You don't, you don't have to show the world that you have, be, you know, you become a millionaire or you got a couple of hundred thousand bucks. That's your personal business. And, and the, these are the things that I think contributed to the downfall of these guys. He got into a scrape with um, Notorious Big. And I think Notorious Big Wife was involved between the two of them. Faith Evans. That's how word have it. And they both died in what you call East Coast, West Coast feud. That's what it turned into. Or that's what they would like to have the public believe. And, you know, so... The youths have to be very careful who they pay attention to. You know, what kind of music they listen to. Because that in turn, believe it or not, would have a bearing on who you turn out to be 20 years down the road. If as a teenager, all you all you wanted to emulate was a gangster, who is to be blamed now that you're in your 40s and you serve two jail sentences already? And and some of these guys are late learners. They they learn when it's like really late. When when people who they went to school with have already moved on and achieved what they have to achieve in life, they're looking back at being on parole now after two two jail sentences. Talk about you know being messed up and. And just like, <laughs> let me see if I could reference this one. Just like the so-called vaccine, 
There's nobody who you can put the liability on. <laughs> the liability is on you for being that foolish. So my advice to the youths when it comes to music, treat it like a dietitian, and the music is the food. Look into it, man. Watch the ingredients. Watch what you're taking in because it could just deem what you have up here at the end of the day. Look at it very, very carefully. Terence. Well, I'm just going to continue for some <clears throat> some of what you just said. Yeah, I started in the 90s for sure. There was a more bigger agenda with music. I have to sort of get the youngsters especially. Yeah, they use people like Biggie. These people like, uh, what's his name, uh, Tupac Shakur, to build on their agenda. Say, hey, you sing about the gangster life. You also sing about the gangster life. Sing about who's treating who's wife or whatever else they probably sang about. Uh, you know, sell gangsterism to these kids or to people who might even be in the rage because they're pretty darn young too. In fact, I think they died at 25, I believe, because I'm 26 now. He's like, oh my god, I outlived these people already. <laughs> Could you believe that? I think Tupac might have been 25. I'm not too sure about Notorious. But anyway. It started with Christopher them. Wallace, Christopher Wallace was, I think, 24. Yeah, he was younger, yeah. That's what it was. Yep. You're right, he was younger. This is it. I outlived those people. Could you believe that? I mean, I find it hard to believe sometimes. It's like, oh my god. You are 24 and you are 25. And you both got who killed wants within... to kill you when you're 24? I used to be 24 and I don't know anybody who wanted to kill me. I know a couple of people who wanted to beat me up for, for things that, you know, I did. But <laughs> go ahead, Terrence. <laughs> I mean, think about what they were selling, though. They obviously had a numbers gain, and someone didn't like them. So, okay, take them out. I don't like them anymore. Or we're done with them. Maybe it was the light, who knows. But the point is, though, they were taken up pretty darn early. But, like, to answer that question, though, I mean, look at the 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, heck, even 13-year-olds, they were gunned down a shot. Who wants to kill people like that, too? Yet it happened. But you, you knew what was Tupac record, the record label that represent Tupac, you know what's the name of it? You want to tell me? Death Row Records, <laughs> run by Suge Knight. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, so there is a, there is one for me. I just learned it. I'll, I'll I'm going to insert this now. Hey, I may have known one or two songs from Biggie and and um, what's his name, Tupac, but I was not their biggest fan. I didn't even know the record label till you just mentioned it. Only song from Tupac I already known was uh, actually two of them, California Love and Changes. Everybody probably knew those two. And from Biggie, I know um he had a song called Hypnotize. And again, he had a song called Big Papa, which <laughs> I don't know what the tagline was about. But I think there's a third song of his I know one. But I didn't know anything. Yes, and Party. No, it wasn't that one. <laughs> but that was one you told me about. Yeah. All right, I'll make that four songs then. <laughs> so yeah, I did not know much about them. In fact, the reason I didn't even bother investing into those guys because I know how derogatory and inappropriate, how and how gangster-like their music, who they were, not only musically, but as a person too. So I say, you know, I'm staying away from that. I'm not the biggest fan of these guys. And here, here's the funny part, as I got older. People will look at me with, with those sort of funny eyes. You don't like Big O or Tupac, or why are you insulting them? It's like, do you have any idea what the music is about? Yes, I don't know them apart from that, but come on. That, those are your role models? Let me sure. just come in here a minute. Go ahead. Uh, now, now that you say that, Notorious Big would do concerts and songs... And one of the times, his mother got a hold of one of those songs on the radio. And when he came home, she asked him, she said, is this what you do? You know what, he, you know what was his answer to her? Mommy, don't listen. Don't listen to this. This is not for you. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Could you believe that? 
and that that just ties in with what I was saying about having a hit song. Who can listen and who can't? Go ahead. Didn't he say that was for people under thirty-five? <laughs> well, something like that. But he told her, though, you know, this is not for you. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: if you're gonna tell your parent that or anybody, but she was this. She was disgusted. I was about to say that. Here's what, here's what I'm gonna say though. Yeah, if you tell your parent, your aunt, or whoever your guardian is, that foolishness. Or first of all, are you disgusted at you? Like, hold on, why can't I listen to that? Wait, you already know why. So you better start talking the truth. And they probably not gonna like that. Now I can't speak for youngsters and in these days who are trying to do that kind of thing. But then you know that was not tolerant. But that okay, you get out of this house or you fix up your attitude or something. Those are the choices you had. That okay tomorrow? Okay, I forgive you. No, your parents were on the ball about that. But like I was saying, yes, I was that very much on on the bandwagon with these two guys. Because I already knew about the gangster sort of life. Or at least in the music I can speak about that they were trying to do. And for that, I didn't like it. And I thought, okay, now you guys are a little too heavy with your curse words too. Now, <clears throat> when I think about it, yeah, I was being a hypocrite. Because the air was rocking Daisy song still. Or County West or whoever I was. In those times that are considered popular. At least in the times I grew up. But yeah, it really it started with them. To invade rap culture. Invade rap. Or I mean hip-hop music too. Because if you take a rap song from, let's say, the 70s, and a hip-hop song from maybe the 80s, or right away you'll notice a difference. I think, I watched the name, Rick James did a few hip-hop songs too. Completely different than what, you know, someone like Tupac or Biggie wrote a song. He if, was a different school, a different, he was yeah, yeah. And a part of that, though, like I said, the agenda, to get more people started in the 90s, especially with those kinds of music. Because again, compared to the difference, like I just mentioned, not that hard to hear. Really isn't. Even if that, even if you think that James is not a good singer. Well, that's your opinion. But listen to the difference is what I'm saying. Now that I've gotten older, I would say, and, you know, like I just reiterated, they've passed these guys. No, it's time to get smarter now. Time to get wiser. Yes, maybe our generation was misled. Maybe some older people who should have kind of nailed us to the ground and make sure we weren't doing that, didn't make sure that either. I get it. Sometimes being a parent is tough. You can keep telling your kids, but they could be like, no, sort of be the kid who's all rebellious. I think Mike knows a thing or two about that, but <laughs> all rebellious and say, hey, no, I want to listen to this. Or they get sneaky and put on headphones and stuff like that, which parents probably going to know anyway. But parents, if you want your kid to learn the right thing, sometimes you do what you got to do. Take away the phone, take away the, the device, or, you know, sort of ask somebody what's going on in your device. Let me hear the music you got going on and stuff like that. Now, you're not going to get every single thing. But if you can get the message through the head, like, you know, this gangsterism, for for example, is no good. You could be the one who's behind bars. You might actually pick up a gun. Or then worse, someone gang might be coming after you because you might have rocked with them one time. But tell, tell them, okay, I'm no longer part of that. Or just like you tell them that, they can exit your life out too. And unfortunately, a lot of youngsters know that for, I guess the story really makes it to the front page of the news or whatever it is. And um, that's what I'm saying. Someone who kind of rocked their head to that. And maybe didn't even know half of the times what was going on. You know, it's time to get wise with people. Not just from the music producers to the DJs and to the singers who might be making the billions. Ask yourself, is this what you want? This is... And, and some of you have kids, to be honest. So ask yourself, is that, what, is that what you want for your kid? I mean, you shouldn't want it for another kid, but if you don't want it for your kid, then you realize, okay, I shouldn't want this for other kids too. Simple as that. But if you can't do that, or you really sold your soul to the devil, well, hey, guess what? You're going down anyway, because Lucifer. Knows he's going down, and he's taking a bunch of people with him. Hence, you know, all this commotion going on in the world. These days with music and a bunch of other things. So that's my advice in that. 
Well, Michael, I'll throw it to you now for final thoughts. Well, my final thought will be about selling your soul to the devil. And just continuing from where you left off there. And I think I might have to ask you a question too. How many entertainers that you have known who allegedly sold their soul to the devil and stand the test of time that lived to really enjoy life? Uh, none, to be honest. None, except maybe one or two, like Jay-Z, but then again, the man's still pretty darn young, in my opinion. I hear the thing, though. A man who is started younger, too, and still in it. Look at him and compare to the rest of them who are gone, or who quit, or who are fired, or whatever. You know, you gotta really sell your soul like him, then, to be still be part of this. Because not only the example of Notorious and Tupac, but then the example of some unknown people, or people like Eminem and Usher, I have no idea where they are these days, but they were, not to say, at the top of their game at some point, but that's it now. You, you, you know, one of the things I measure a public figure by, I just don't want to say a musician or an entertainer. Say it anyway. It can be a movie star, can be a poet, can be a dancer. But once you have a certain level in the public, you have a platform, like I say. One of the things I measure a real person in any one of those fields by is whenever there are problems in society, whenever there are hard times, whenever people are being oppressed, and you see one, because it's not usually many of them that comes forward, and lend their voice to a just cause. Throughout history, a lot of them usually hide it out and wait it out because they're waiting to ride the wave until the next big house and the next big car or whatever it is that they want from whatever they're involved in. But whenever you see one of those people come out and speak against the ills of society, then you know you have a genuine person. Cassius Clare, Muhammad Ali. You know you got a genuine person. In Jamaica, Buju Banton. You know you got a genuine person. So when you look on the North American scale where some of the so-called biggest stars, I don't know if it's in the sky or on earth, came from, and you see the situation that humanity is facing and you can never hear their voices against it, you know who they're serving. You don't have to look very far. Because translation there is, that doesn't bother me. That's not my problem. Then what is your problem? All you're concerned about is superstardom. Who made you a superstar? That's the question. Because a real superstar is made by the people. That's your audience. So if you can't stand up for them, who made you that star? <laughs> Probably wasn't the people. And, and that's what I used to measure successful people by who have their brains intact. And there are not many of them these days. These days, you get some of them who are using that platform to lead their own people astray. They're coming on the TV and trying to lead their people into hellfire. 
telling you, drink of the cup of Satan, man. It's a good cup. And they're supposed to be stars. So I have one message for them. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So in the words of Louis Farrakhan, if you prepare a plate, be prepared to eat from that plate. Remember, you're the cook. You should be you should be willing to taste your own food. Terrence? <laughs> Very well spoken there. I don't know, but maybe I'm more skeptical to believe this because they come out. Maybe they're being paid to try to tell me, okay, I'm on your side, but really they're not. But that's just be my skepticalness. But I will say this, though. And Mike always pretty much says, by the fruits you shall know them. And, and as he just said, if you're the cook, try your own food then. Tell me it's good when you, when you try it and tell me that it is. And make me believe so. Not just tell me, okay, it's alright, nah, you know, I hate it. Or if you fainted, then we know how much of a cook you were <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yes, if you faint from your own food, come on. Or at least collapse a bit or whatever it is. You know that food part wasn't good. Whether you cooked it or somebody else did. But yes, be your cook. Try your own food. Is that that hard to do? And if, you know, worst case scenario, you faint, that's okay. It happens. Not all of us can be cooks in, in this place. But yeah, by the fruits you shall know them. And many people, they ain't got much good fruits. Let's be real about that. Or they're not even attempting to build any good fruits. Even they may say, okay, yeah, that was motivational. They just hear the talk and never put any action towards it. Well, what is the point of motivation then? If we're just going to sit there and listen and not take heed to the advice then, or even what the person is saying. Think about it. That's why I don't see a lot of people, even in this scenario, or even in music, they're not stepping up. They're only stepping up when it's convenient or they think they're going to be about to be dumped by the record company. Hence the story about Lady Gaga I just said. She probably realized she was going to face some backlash with R. Kelly had she not done that. Nah, I believe she still did, but it was very less just because she did that. People think, oh, okay, she's all, you know, this and that now. Or she changed, or, you know, she didn't want to do the music. It's like, hey, she's already who had a choice. It was simple, no, or Kelly, I don't want to do the track with you. Or whoever offered that. You could have been just said that in the beginning. Now, oh, she's changed, or she's doing it for the good of the heart. No, she just knew the backlash she was going to face. And it, w- it would have been more, though, had she not done that. But people buying this stuff, what can I say? But what I'm going to say, though, for my final thoughts, though, is, hey, Go away from the satanic music. Get away from it. Now, if you're on your own, you're a youngster who don't know better. People who are older, teach the youngsters. Because you know what? None of us are bone smart. And we're not going to be. And it's so very easy for the devil to tempt us and to get us hooked on something. Because he knows our weaknesses, that we're people with flesh. That we don't know better, especially when we're younger. Or we don't think, okay, it's going to have long last, long life consequences to it. I'm sure notorious and... And Tupac didn't think so, but guess what? They were gunned down or whatever it was at a very yep. early age. Gunned down, that's the word. Whether or not they saw it coming, I have no idea, but it happened nonetheless. And for anybody who's 50, double the age in that, yes, you know, you should be saying you're thankful to live. And it is a good thing. I'm not saying because you die, you get always under a gunshot wound. No, for those guys it was though. But don't be like them, is what I'm saying. Be smart and don't follow the trail of the music. If you're going to follow music... Do things, how do I say it, that tell a story, that are relatable, that maybe motivate you. Hey, throw a love track on or a heartbreak songs. Stuff people can relate to. Stuff people can dance to. Stuff that's, how do I say, not suggestive, not up, up, filled with obscenity 
here and there and all the time. And don't support it, because here's the thing. One reason they can grow to billions now is because we keep supporting them. Don't yes, support sir. them. Because maybe in a year's time they'll be broken homeless. I'm not saying that they should be, but let them get a taste of reality, though. If they came from there, maybe they got to remember where they came from. If they didn't, yep. then they should know, have an idea, okay. It's superstardom, as the world says. Ain't all that fancy. It's not worth it. Well, I'm glad you where... made that point. Hang on, and that's where on I put f- my final thoughts. Mike, end it off now. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point. So let me just end here by saying that point of support. If the people made you a star and when the people are under pressure, you can't in turn support and stand up for the people who made you who you are. The answer is very clear which side you own. It's like somebody who turned down an interview and they were given a chance to to, state your case. So according to Hedy, you're in the story whether or not you like it. Because you were given a chance. Like I say, you cannot, even though you put on a magnifying glass these days, you can't find those superstars. You wonder like what happened? Which stone you under? You're supposed to be a public figure here. You're supposed to be on the side of justice here. Where are you? You know where to be found. Well, I got news for you. You may be a superstar, but you ain't my superstar. Out. <laughs> and tune in next time when we talk about another another topic you should be hearing as well. Big Pharma. What is that? If you don't know, then tune in to next time. For now, this is Michael and I, Brother Love, signing out. See you till next time.